Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Emily Hamilton. I'm the pastor of missions here. And many of you know that my husband and I are in the process of seeking to become parents through adoption. And almost exactly a year ago, the two of us were sitting at Colossal Cafe in St. Paul back when we could do those sorts of things. And we were sitting with another couple that we had just met at the end of this two-day required adoption training class. And we were swapping stories and sharing about, you know, how we'd come to this point, why we'd signed up for this class. And uh, all four of us together kind of like admitted to each other that we were really overwhelmed by how much the adoption process rightly includes a lot of working and a lot of waiting. There is working and waiting and working and more waiting, all for the purpose of preparation, for preparing our homes and our hearts and our lives to welcome a new family member. And for the last year, Kyle and I have been in a preparation season that has come with a lot of paperwork and background checks and training and no clear nine-month timeline. And what I've learned is that to be in this situation of preparation is fundamentally to be uncomfortable. It's to live in tension, to live with waiting and longing, and yet it's also to live towards a new reality. We're filled with hope to become parents, and that hope fuels our working and our waiting of preparation in the present. Even though we don't know when, New life is coming to our house, and we want to be ready when it comes. And the season of Advent that we're in right now as a church is where we learn to get comfortable with the discomfort of living in preparation. On the one hand, it's preparation to look back and celebrate the first coming of Jesus when God decides to make our world and our flesh his home as a vulnerable baby. And on the other hand, Advent invites us to prepare for what is to come, to prepare for Jesus to come again in glory, to make all things right, to wipe away every tear from our eyes, to bring to consummation his kingdom that is already breaking in among us. One of my favorite preachers, Fleming Rutledge, says, the Christian community lives in Advent all the time not just these four weeks. We live in the already and the not yet of God's promised future. And in Advent, we're reminded that the God who has been faithful in the past to his promises will be faithful again. God's new life is on the way, and we want to be ready when it comes. So on our journey to the manger today, we meet a baby named John, and he'll grow up to be known as John the Baptist, and his entire life will be devoted to the work of preparation. And what we'll find is that he is a really good companion for us as we are on the journey beyond the manger too, as we, God's people today, live in Advent all the time. What we see from John is that we too are called to the work of preparation. Assured of God's promises, we too are called to the work of preparation. So I want to talk about three things. First, who is John? What is his ministry of preparation? And third, how is that something that we are called to 
as well. So first, here is the backstory on John. When we started our journey a few weeks ago, we learned that for hundreds of years, God's people have been waiting to hear from him, waiting for him to show up and do something. The very last words of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi end with God promising to usher in a new era where the old ways of sin and death will pass away and a new age of healing and peace and freedom for God's people will begin. And the sign of this, Malachi says, is that there will be a prophet who comes to prepare the way for God to act. And until then, God's people will be waiting. And in the book of Luke, which is what we've been walking through in this sermon series throughout Advent, this waiting of all God's people becomes tangible to us, takes on flesh and bone in the lives of a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth are childless, and they are well past the age where parenthood would be a human possibility. They represent what it looks like to be longing and waiting for something. But one day, an angel appears to Zechariah, and he tells him two things. First, the angel says, Zechariah, God is going to give you a son. And second, your son, Zechariah, he will be that prophet that Malachi talked about. He is the one that God is sending as a signal to you and the whole world that a new age is dawning. Zachariah's son will help the whole world get ready for God's son to arrive. But of course, you may remember that this good news just seemed a little too good to be true to Zachariah. He doubts the angel's message, and consequently, he is rendered literally speechless until God's promises come to pass. And nine months later, they do. Elizabeth and Zechariah have a son who they named John, which means God is gracious. And neighbors and friends who watch this miraculous birth story are filled with awe. And they're watching this situation and they're just like, what is going on? What will this child be? And now, filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah's tongue is loosed and he answers their question with a prophetic proclamation. First, he says, look, friends, God is doing for us just as he said he would. He is sending a mighty Savior to save us. God is making good on all the promises that he made long ago. This miracle baby of mine is just the beginning of God's rescue operation for us all. And then Zechariah turns to his infant son, and he speaks these words over him from Luke chapter 1, verses 76 to 79. He says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is who Zechariah and Elizabeth's son will be. Miracle baby John, born from beyond the realm of all human possibility. He is destined to be a preparer, 
a signpost pointing to God's grace made flesh in Jesus. Born of the promise, John is entrusted with the ministry of preparation so that Jesus, so that people will recognize Jesus whenever he comes and walks among them. So that's who John is. But what will his ministry of preparation look like? When you hear the word preparation, you might initially think of how, like, if you're a student, you prepare for a test by studying a lot. Or if you're a musician, you prepare for a performance by practicing a lot. But I think that John's ministry of preparation is less like that And it's more like the work of restoration that you would do to an old house to prepare it for new life to come and live there. When you're restoring and renovating, you have to do two things. You have to decide what needs to go, and you have to decide what can stay. You have to clear the cobwebs and figure out what's rotting and water damaged, what needs replacement. And you have to have a vision for what could be for what new materials and additions can breathe life into the old bones. You have to expose and clean out the decay and what's not working so you can make space for new pieces and new possibilities, new purposes. In restoration, you have to say no to some things so that you can say yes to something better. And this is what John's ministry of preparation will look like, saying no to the old ways for the sake of saying yes to God's grand restoration project in the world through Jesus. On the one hand, as Zacharias says, John will be a prophet whose calling is to expose and reject all the rotting and worthless ways that sin and death destroy our lives apart from God. He'll get people to see that their lives without God are hopeless, that they need a power beyond themselves to make things right. And they'll also speak hard truth, calling out people for the ways they just act entitled to salvation through their own efforts. And he'll become known as John the Baptist because he will invite people to be baptized in water as a sign of their desire to say no to sin and yes to God. And this ministry will provoke both repentance and hostility. It will provoke, it'll be attractive to some people, but other people will totally reject it. And that's because John will be uh, more committed to preparing this way for the Lord than he will be making the the powerful feel comfortable. And because of that, eventually, John will be imprisoned and killed. And in that sense, he is a mouthpiece for God that says no to all the ways that sin has infected our lives and our world. No! to the wrongness of the way things are in our lives that is far beyond our ability to repair. And on the other hand, John's ministry of preparation will also be about saying yes. As a prophet, he will see beyond the muck and the decay of the way things are toward the beautiful final design that God has in store for the world. And although he speaks words of painful truth, his witness is ultimately drenched in the mercy and grace of God, a grace that is making a way out of our ways of conflict and death toward peace and life in Jesus. 
over and over again, as people come to John to be baptized, he will say, one more powerful than me is coming. He is the one that takes away the sins of the world. And he is a witness that God is on the move, like a slow but certain sunrise on a dark winter morning. John sees out ahead, and he's calling back to us, the dawn is breaking. And in that way, John's ministry of preparation is also to speak God's yes to us. In Jesus, God is claiming this world and our human flesh as his home. And John's job is to dust away the cobwebs, light the candles, set the table, because a new life is coming to this house. So what does that mean for us? How are we being called into this ministry of preparation? In our Bibles today, we have four different accounts of the life of Jesus. And in all of them, John the Baptist shows up. He is the forerunner out ahead of Jesus and his earthly ministry. In every single gospel, John is preparing the way for people to make sense of who Jesus is. And this isn't an accident. When the gospel writers were putting together these stories about the life of Jesus, they were writing them down for young churches who understood themselves as a people who were living at the turning of the ages. These first Christian communities thought of themselves as people who were living in a house that was under renovation. Signs of the new were breaking in amidst the vestiges of the old. The church believed that in the first coming of Jesus, the old era of sin and death was on its way out and that God's new creation was breaking through even though it wasn't fully present yet. And they understood that they lived in this awkward and uncomfortable in-between time, waiting for Jesus to come again. And they believed that because God had been faithful to his promises the first time, they could trust he would be faithful again. And for the early church, the person that they looked to to try to figure out how to live in this tension of the in-between was John the Baptist waiting for a second advent, they knew that they were called to prepare the way for God's kingdom to continue to break in. Their job was to understand the plans of the master renovator and take up his tools, clean out the old, make space for the new. So it doesn't seem like a stretch to imagine that when those earliest followers of Jesus read these words that Zacharias speaks over his baby boy, they would have thought, that's about us too. We are called to be prophets of the Most High, to see and speak to the truth of who he is. We are called to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus, to share about his salvation, his forgiveness, to show his compassion and his tender mercy, to walk in ways of peace and invite others to come and walk with us. Zachariah's words are about us. And what I want to tell you today, church, is that these words are about us too. We may not think of ourselves like John the Baptist very often, but we should. Just as John's miraculous birth was from beyond the realm of human possibility, so too 
our very existence as God's people on this earth is a sign of his love and his faithfulness for this world. By God's grace, we too are called to be born again to new life in Christ for the sake of pointing the way. And just as John was filled with the Holy Spirit for the ministry of preparation for the first coming of Christ, we are filled with that same spirit and that same ministry as we wait for him to come again. Through Jesus, God is in the business of restoring all things. He is set on making his home with us and bringing new life here to stay. And he's putting the renovation tools in our hands. That is exactly what we are called to be like as we live in this time between the times. Assured of God's promise, we too are called to the work of preparation. When I think about a person in my life who helped prepare the way for Jesus to meet me, I think about Cindy. Cindy was my Bible study leader in high school, and she was a preparer of the way. Uh, you know, the Bible says that John subsisted on locusts and honey as his main diet and met people in the wilderness. But with Cindy, it was hours of coffee dates and countless orders of chips and queso from Chili's. And in those ordinary places, Cindy witnessed to Jesus to me during a time in my life when the shadows of sin and death loomed long. Family conflict, uh, peer pressure, anxiety, they all pressed in around me during those years. And amidst that darkness, Cindy faithfully showed up week after week, and she pointed me to Jesus and the better way that he offers. She helped me hear God's no to seeking love and satisfaction in the fleeting affection of teenage boys. And she helped me hear God's yes of compassion and grace when I needed to be reminded of a love that would never fail. She helped me see that no amount of performing and trying to be good enough could ever make me more or less acceptable in God's eyes. And when I felt crushed with sadness and frustration about the brokenness in my family, she pointed me to the truth that because Jesus fully entered into our human suffering, I could trust that no amount of brokenness in my life was beyond the scope of his redemption. As Fleming Rutledge put it, Cindy showed me that God's future determines the present and not the other way around. Whether she realized it or not, in pretty ordinary ways, Cindy prepared the way for me to meet Jesus, to guide my feet into peace amidst a world that offers a lot of cheap and unsatisfactory alternatives. When John is born, the friends and the neighbors are gathering around and asking each other, what will this child be? And the question now is for us. What will we be? As our world stands on the edge of preparing to pick up the pieces of 2020, the shadows of death stretch long and wide, and our world needs people who see ahead and can witness that no matter how dark it is in Jesus, God's light really is starting to shine. So where might God be calling you 
to think of yourself a little more like John the Baptist, taking up the uncomfortable and blessed work of preparing the way for others to meet Jesus, to welcome the new life that he wants to bring. It doesn't have to be spectacular. Cindy wasn't spectacular. Chili's chips and queso are kind of spectacular, but not really. So she was not spectacular, but she was consistently present. She earned the right to speak God's yes and no in my life because she took time to be consistently present to me in the darkness. Whatever other kinds of preparation you find yourself doing this Advent season, I would challenge you to consider, how is this preparation a part of it? Where are people sitting in darkness that God might be calling you to pull up a chair and sit beside? Where are the places in our world where the voices of God's people need to be heard saying no so that we can say yes to something better? The Master Builder's renovation project is already underway. He is determined to make his dwelling place among us once and for all. And we as his people are called to participate, preparing space for the new life to break in, even while we still wait and feel the pains of the old. And maybe some of you today are listening to all of this and you're thinking, I just don't feel like I can possibly prepare the way for the Lord. I feel like I'm struggling to find him to begin with. I'm sitting in the darkness of the shadow of death. How do I share the light with others when I can't see where it's breaking in for me? And if that's you, uh, I hear you. (laughs) I feel like I am there. I have been there. And here's what I want to leave with you. You remember how John baptized people as a sign that they were sinners in need of a savior. Well, one day Jesus came to John and he said, I need you, John, to baptize me, Jesus. And John said, uh, no way, (laughs) no way. The preparer himself was still unprepared for how Jesus was showing up. And eventually John does baptize Jesus. He submerges him beneath the murky waters of the Jordan River. And it is right there that we behold it. The Lord of all creation identifying himself with us sinners at the lowest point of our need. Even with all the preparations of angel announcements and miracle births, In so many ways, the world still was not ready for Jesus to do this. But he came anyway, busting down the door and starting the reno himself in his own flesh. And from his birth to his baptism to his death on the cross, Jesus insistently and relentlessly enters into the shadow of death on our behalf. He enters into the sin and the suffering of our world to the uttermost. He is there with you in your darkness. He enters it all to restore it all. And in his resurrection, Jesus is the assurance that new life really is bursting into the old even when it's hard to see. The new dawn is breaking in upon us. And we can be sure that just as suffering and death were not the last word for Jesus, 
he will make sure it is not the last word for us too. It is in looking back to behold the wonder of Christ coming the first time that we are able to look ahead, assured of God's promises, renewed for the ministry of preparation, working and waiting and working and waiting until he comes again. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we journey to the manger, teach us to become people who prepare the way for you like John the Baptist. Give us boldness to say no to the ways of sin and death so we may say yes to your new life breaking in. Give us grace to enter into the places of darkness with your light. And when we struggle to see that light for ourselves, remind us that you come to us even before we feel ready. You keep your promises even when we're not looking for it. You love us and you have secured our future with you. We rest in you so we may join you in the preparation. It's in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, that we pray. Amen. Amen.